Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020. I am your new host, Jack Bushman, officially accepting the torch from 670 to scores, Jay Zawoski, on a milestone episode, actually, as today marks the 150th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Locked on Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to do that. Also, please go follow the Locked on Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Some good stuff will be posted there as well. By the way, this episode of Locked on Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar, Make sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON in all caps and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order. Why Built Bar, you may say? Because Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I am personally just waiting for my order to get in. Actually, super excited for those to come in. Uh, tried those not too long ago and they are really good. You guys got to try them. That's promo code locked on in all caps to get $10 off your first order. So, as I mentioned just a moment ago, today marks the first episode out of 150 where Jay Zawoski will not be hosting. Jay mentioned throughout the episodes last week that he had to step away from the podcast for some personal reasons and focus his time elsewhere, which is completely understandable when you consider the fact that he is a father a husband, a host of two other podcasts, quick plug to the Madhouse and I'm Fat podcast that Jay does, uh, while also working at 670 to score regularly. So it makes sense that he felt the need to step away. And right now I want to take the time to thank Jay for all that he has done for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast over the past eight months or so, and also for recommending me for this position. Jay spoke a little bit about meeting each other at Blackhawks Prospect Development Camp this past summer on last Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, but to make a long story short for those of you who did not hear that episode, we met and chat there for 20 minutes or so about a couple of different things. I actually remember for some reason that it was the day the Hawks traded away Artem Anisimov for Zach Smith, so uh, I'm pretty sure that was part of the conversation But anyways, we've sort of kept in touch ever since then, and about a month and a half or so ago, Jay reached out and told me that he was going to be stepping away from the show and that he was actually going to recommend me for the position. And fortunately for me, the whole thing came through in the last couple of weeks, and here I am. So thank you very much to Jay once again, and Thank you to everyone on the Lockdown Podcast team for welcoming me me in with open arms. Thank you to all the listeners out there for welcoming me in with open arms as well and uh, allowing me the opportunity to take over. I am very excited for the challenge, and I am looking forward to being your daily Blackhawks podcast host. So first and foremost, I want to start this episode with a little segment about myself so that you can get a feel of who I am and exactly what I bring to the table. Now, I know that I have some big shoes to fill here, as Jay is one of the biggest Blackhawks names in Chicago, and I am just a 23-year-old kid who graduated college literally less than a month ago. But uh, 
honestly, not, not to sound like I'm tooting my own horn or anything here, but I do feel like I am qualified for this, this position because of a couple different reasons. One, I've followed this team very closely for a little over 10 years now, and not only is just a fan, but a, someone who's really passionate about the whole sports industry and the game and uh, everything behind the scenes and all those that are involved. Uh, I've been paying attention to all the moves the Blackhawks have been making as an organization, so not only just a performance on ice, but I, I've been very uh, on top of what's been going on behind closed doors and what's been going on in the front office and uh, a lot of the prospect development department and Blackhawks organization. So um, I do feel like uh, I have a very good knowledge of this team, uh, the prospects involved in kind of the direction the Blackhawks are heading. I also have my own Blackhawks Twitter page and podcast that I've been doing for about two years, which if you're interested in that, you can find on Twitter at Talkin' Hockey. That's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y. And that account's gained uh, about 1,700, 1,800 followers over the last uh, year, year and a half. So a lot of good Blackhawk stuff will be posted there daily. And then I also have been writing pretty consistently about the Blackhawks for sports mockery for uh, just about a year and a half now. I started uh, not this past December, but the December before that. So um, just about yeah, 19 months now. So uh, I've been working hard the last couple of years to try and establish myself as a credible source for Blackhawks news. And I feel like I have done that to the best of my abilities in that short time. And I strive to keep working at it as well because I know that I could always be better and there's always more to learn out there. Now, this part of the episode may be a little redundant if you tuned into Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, but a little bit more about myself here. I spoke a moment ago about how I recently graduated college and I'm 23 years old. Uh, I just graduated from the University of Missouri where I received a Bachelor of Arts degree in Mass Media Communication with a minor in psychology. But prior to my college days, I grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, more specifically Lake Zurich, Illinois, and I graduated from Lake Zurich High School in 2015. Quick shout out to all my Lake Zurich people tuning into today's episode. Thank you for all the support that you guys have been giving me lately. I appreciate it. A uh, little bit more about me. I've always been a huge sports fan uh, from a real young age, <clears throat> and I grew up playing you know, sports with my friends all summer, all the time. Even in the winter, we'd play football and everything we could, ice hockey. Uh, but I grew up mostly playing baseball from a real young age, four, five, six, I started playing. But I've always been a bigger fan of hockey than I have been of baseball. In the back of my head, I knew if I was ever going to be a writer or going the broadcasting route, uh, it was going to be about hockey. It wasn't going to be about baseball. And I really got into hockey because I think I had a real memorable first Blackhawks moment. And I shared that on Friday as well. Uh, but to sum it up real quick, Patrick Kane scored the overtime winning goal against the hated St. Louis Blues. Love to see it. Back in his rookie season, uh, the 2007-2008 or 2007-2008 season, sorry, uh, I was like 10 rows off the glass with my dad and my grandpa, and Kane scored the overtime winner and celebrated right in front of me and just the atmosphere of that game, everything about it. Kane being 18 years old, just, just this kid who was doing this incredible, these incredible things for uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, it really made me fall in love with Kane. 
uh, the young core, the Hawks as a team, and just the game of hockey overall. And it certainly didn't hurt to grow up during the Blackhawks dynasty era with my best friends. Um, (laughs) Some of the best moments of my life there makes me think about all the late summer nights watching intense playoff hockey. So many memories that just will last a lifetime. I really could go on and on about how those Blackhawks teams mean so much to me. So kind of a combination of those two things is how I fell in love with the Blackhawks and the game. And when it was time to go to college and time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, it just felt natural to go the media and broadcasting route because it was all I have ever known. I never really found anything else that interesting during high school, so it just made sense to me to stick with what I knew. I also kind of had that realization moment at like 16 or 17 years old that the professional athlete thing kind of wasn't going to happen as I stand a whopping five foot eight, 150 pounds in a pair of Timberlands after jumping out of pool with all my clothes on. So ever since high school, I've tried to remain as close to the game as I could without, you know, actually playing the game because I knew I was only going to be able to play the game for a certain amount of time, unfortunately. And I also thought guys like Mark Lazarus, Scott Powers, Pat Boyle, I just thought those guys had the coolest jobs in the world, writing about and getting to know the championship Blackhawks teams. So that certainly intrigued me at a young age as well. The last thing I want to mention about myself is that I certainly don't want to take this platform that I now have for granted. I really aim to inspire and teach you about the Blackhawks, the game of hockey, and also just about life and everything that I have learned along the way in my 23 years. I love learning about the game from others, and I know that there's always more to learn, so I'm always trying to become more and more knowledgeable so that I can use that knowledge and share it with other people to help boost their experience as a fan because there have been so many people who have done the same for me throughout the years. And now I think it's my duty in this position to be a responsible and credible source of information. And I want you all to know that will always be my goal during my tenure as host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. So thank you again for welcoming me in with open arms. I really am looking forward to everything that's going to follow in the coming months. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk about everything that has been going down in the city of Chicago, the mass protests, the riots, and also the statements put out by the Blackhawks and a couple other players. But first, we open the show talking about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Crazy to even wrap your head around that. And Built Bar comes in eight different chocolate nut or nut-free flavors, which are completely covered in 100% real chocolate, people. Real chocolate. The real thing. They are magnificent tasting and also health conscious. So you can enjoy a tasty snack while also staying fit. Only 170 calories in this tasty protein bar. High protein and high fiber, low calories. What more could you want in your protein bar? 
I am not lying when I say you need to go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order, which is a ridiculous deal. That's all caps locked on at BuiltBar.com to get $10 off your first order. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at Jack Bushman 2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at Talkin' Hockey. Also, make sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also on Twitter, at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, to get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out every day. Coming up in a bit later in the show, we'll be discussing a couple reasons why the Blackhawks could sneak away with a series victory against the Edmonton Oilers in the best of five playing round. But now, we'll talk about something a little more serious, as hockey is kind of on the back burner right now with everything going on across the nation. This is not something that is easy to talk about at all, especially considering this is my first episode on the podcast, but I simply cannot stand by and act like this isn't going on as it has affected the city of Chicago tremendously, and I believe uh, the first step in the right direction is noticing the issue that we have at hand and taking action. So for those that are still not sure what's going on. Over the weekend, there were mass protests throughout the United States after the wrongful death of George Floyd. Just horrible what happened. And yesterday, the Blackhawks did their part in joining the sports world by putting out a statement. And if you didn't get to see it, I'm going to read it off for you right now. And I quote, The events over the past several days have been painful for our city of Chicago and the many communities within it. There is no tolerance for racism and inequality in our city and society. We need to educate ourselves, have more honest conversations, and acknowledge that we have a lot of work to do, beginning with our own organization. Chicago has been our home since 1926, and we need to work harder to build a more equitable Chicago for all of our citizens. We owe it to ourselves our city, all of our residents, and our next generation. Our thoughts are with the family of George Floyd and the many others who have experienced similar devastating losses. Our thoughts are also with the many hardworking people and small businesses who have suffered over the past several days. We need to work together to move forward as one community. The Chicago Blackhawks remain committed to that. Close quote. So, I think that basically hits the nail with the hammer. Racism and what we have seen go on in society from the hands of the police have absolutely no place in this world. And now it is our responsibility, especially us included in the younger generations, to make sure that we work harder so none of these things ever happen again. Because simply it has gone on for too long. Now, it's just, it's not okay, and we need to put a better foot forward in changing these things because 
it's sad that these problems are still going on in 2020, and uh, it's really tough to see. We also saw a couple of other Blackhawks players come out and use their platforms to get a message across about what has been going on in the last couple of days. We saw forward Zach Smith post a short message via Twitter that I will also read right now. Smith posted a a note from his iPhone saying, and I quote, As a privileged white man playing in the NHL, a predominantly white league, I feel it's important now as ever to show support for the black community and encourage change. If you think the current way black people and other minorities are treated here today is okay, then you are a racist. If you don't have an opinion or are neutral on the subject, then you are ignorant and very misinformed. I strongly disagree with rioting and looting of homes and small businesses, but if you resent this movement, then you are missing the point entirely. As hockey players, we sometimes come off as robots in our interviews and stay clear of opinions on most social issues and controversy. Personally, I don't like posting my opinions on social media these days for several reasons. However, with the amount of racism people, especially those in positions of power, being exposed during this this movement, I felt the need to show my support for the black community and the need for change. Please be safe and take care of each other out there. Close quote. So, another great message there from a great guy, Zach Smith, a veteran in the NHL. I think he brought up a couple of tremendous points there. One, if you can't admit there's something wrong with the way minorities are treated today, then you're not seeing the problem at all. That's sort of what I just talked about with the Blackhawks statement as well. If you don't have an opinion or are neutral on the subject, then you are part of the problem, you are ignorant, and you are misinformed simply. This is not the time to remain neutral on the subject. I I strongly disagree with the rioting and the looting of the hometowns and the businesses, but if the, the peaceful protests clearly have, haven't worked. The way everyone, each and every person in society thinks about these issues must change in order for something to actually get done. In order for the stigma to finally change, everyone needs to be on board. People remaining neutral on this topic are not part of the solution. We need everyone to be on board for the solution to be realistic. The peaceful protests have been attempted. And here we are with the same issues still occurring. I saw uh, an interesting tweet of someone I know, uh, from someone I know, I should say, uh, talking about the irony that's involved in this situation. That some people are wanting the black community to peacefully protest when all the black community wanted in the first place was to be treated peacefully and just like everyone else. And that kind of takes me to Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze's post on Instagram regarding the situation, which caught headlines around the country. I won't go and read the entire post out loud like I did from the Blackhawks and Smith because Taze's is much longer. But if you want to check it out, go to Taze's Instagram page at Jonathan Taze to read the whole thing. One quick, powerful segment that I did want to share. uh, It's really powerful stuff here from Taze. And I quote, Who am I to tell someone that their pain is not real? Especially when it is 
at a boiling point and impossible to hold in anymore. It's obviously coming from a place of truth. And that's some great leadership stuff there from Taze, one of the best leaders in professional sports. Who are we to say that someone's pain isn't real? Clearly, the pain is real. Look at what's going on across the country right now. That pain is obviously coming from a place of truth. Now, just like Taze, we don't necessarily understand that pain, but we can understand that it's obviously there and that we obviously need to do more to fix these issues. So Taze really hit the nail with the hammer as well. He continues to be impressive as a man off the ice. I think he did a great job using his platform to speak out for the black community in their time in need. So I think we have covered uh, just about everything the Blackhawks and their players uh, put out about the wrongful death of George Floyd and the mass protests throughout the country. I am proud of the players for speaking out and also proud of the Blackhawks organization for issuing a statement before a lot of other teams in uh, the other major sports did. Up next, we will talk some actual Blackhawks hockey finally, as I will give my thoughts on how the Hawks can upset the five-seeded Edmonton Oilers in the best of five playing series. But first, I need to talk about Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. <clears throat> All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. We've all had our share car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto shop you can rely on? Rock Auto has your back for all the car parts you'll ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection. And make sure to let them know that the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey. Or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is at LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. For any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or just life in general, thank you again for tuning into Tuesday, June 2nd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. We have already discussed a couple of topics on today's episode, but I think it's time to actually dive into some Blackhawks playoff hockey, which, ooh, does that sound sweet to say. We are now on day 83 without hockey, I believe, but there could be some hope on the horizon. News came out last week that the NHL's 2014 postseason has been approved by the NHLPA and will take place if the COVID-19 outbreak so allows. This means that the Blackhawks playoff drought is over, even though there is going to be a huge asterisk next to their name if they win anything at all. And let's face it, that's not wrong. The Hawks are the 23rd seed in the 2014 playoff, as only the Montreal Canadiens got in with the worst record. The Blackhawks were 32-30-8 through 70 games, and the likelihood of them actually making the postseason had the season not been paused were slim to none. But hey, we'll take it. I've been itching to see this team in the postseason, ever since they were swept by the National Predators in 2017. And some interesting news that came with the 2014 playoff format is that it has been determined that the Hawks 
the 12th and final seed in the Western Conference will play the Edmonton Oilers in a best-of-five playing series where the winner would potentially advance to play the four-seeded Dallas Stars in a best-of-seven series, although the NHL also stated that they have discussed reseeding the top four teams in each conference after they receive a bye through the playing rounds. So still lots to be worked out on the format, but hey, we're starting to get somewhere. Inch by inch, we're getting closer to playoff hockey in 2020. Anyways, the Blackhawks didn't receive a particularly rough draw in the top-heavy Western Conference as they played pretty well against the Oilers in the three matchups this season. The home team won all three of those matchups, but that can kind of be thrown out the window as the postseason games are expected to be played in hub cities without fans, so much different than having a home ice advantage. To recap those three games quickly, the Blackhawks defeated the Oilers 3-1 in the first meeting between the two teams at the Eunice United Center back on October 14th, so that was months ago. Kind of throw that one out the window anyways. Edmonton took the next matchup at Rogers Place 5-3 on February 11th, and something to note about that contest is Connor McDavid was not in the lineup for the Oilers that night, but Leon Dreisaitl had himself an absolute game to carry the Oilers to victory. That was the only matchup between the two in Edmonton. And then the Hawks won the rubber match 4-3 on March 5th, just day, days before the season was put on pause. Patrick Kane led the Hawks with four points in those three contests, while Adam Boquist and Brandon Saad each had three points. Boquist had uh, a goal and two assists in two games, and Saad had two goals and one assist in three games. As for Edmonton, as I just stated a moment ago, Connor McDavid played in only two of the three contests, but he was held off the stat sheet in both games he did play with only five total shots on goal. The Blackhawks' problem, though, was keeping uh, his partner Leon Dreisaitl off the board as Leon had a goal and six assists in those three games, so seven points. He was an absolute monster. But honestly, that kind of seems to be the repertoire with the Edmonton Oilers. If you can stop the dynamic duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl, then you have a real good chance of beating them. The hard part? Yeah, stopping McDavid and Dreisaitl, two top five talents in the NHL, they were both 1-2 and two in points and assists when the regular season was put on pause. So you know what kind of damage they can do. Those two led the Oilers to a 37-25-9 record through 71 games, giving them 83 points, 9 more than the Blackhawks. Taking a look now at the Oilers roster, they do have some de decent depth at the forward position. They got names like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, James Neal, Zach Cassian, Alex Chason, Andreas Athanasiu, and the recent emergence of the young Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, so they're strong up front, but the real problem with this team comes on defense. The Oilers allowed 217 goals through 71 games, which is tied for the most of any Western Conference team in the 2014 postseason, uh, besides the Blackhawks. <laughs> Rough. When you look at the Oilers' back end, it's not hard to see why they struggled as much as the Hawks did defensively. Darnell Nurse, Adam Larson... Oscar Clefbaum, those are the three guys that lead the way for Edmonton. Uh, although Nurse and Clefbaum are two of kind of the more underrated blue liners in the NHL, those aren't exactly a big three that is going to lead a team to the Stanley Cup. Ethan Bear and Chris Russell provide some depth, 
and veteran blue liner Mike Green was added along with Athanasiu from the Detroit Red Wings at the deadline. So Edmonton clearly felt they needed to address their defense, and they felt it was the team's weak spot, uh, as clearly it doesn't match up with the strong offense that they have. Um, but still, even with the acquisition of Mike Green, not the strongest defensive group, uh, so the Oilers will be leaning heavily on their offense if they want to go anywhere in the postseason. Looking at the goaltending situation for Edmonton, Miku Koskinen, who received a ridic- ridiculously high-value contract last season, uh, split time with Mike Smith, the 38-year-old veteran netminder. Koskinen's stat line was uh, an 18-13-3 record with a 2.75 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage, so... Uh, a pretty strong save percentage for the defense in front of him. 15th best in the NHL. With a better defense, he probably would have been better. Uh, but still, he's not a lights-out goaltender by any means at this point of his career. So he shouldn't cause the Blackhawks too many problems. Knock on wood, keep our fingers crossed there. Hopefully I didn't just wake up a sleeping giant in Mikko Koskinen. Uh, and then looking at Mike Smith... He got a bunch of starts this year, even though he's getting a little bit up there in age. He was 19, 12, and 6. Uh, but with a high 2.95 goals against average and a low 0.902 save percentage. So I have a feeling that we'll see Koskinen to start the series. And if he struggles, then we could see Smith. Uh, but also Smith's low numbers could be just a product of the defense. Who knows what Edmonton is going to do, as there's still plenty of time before Uh, A decision is going to have to be made in that. But either way, clearly Edmonton's weak spot is when they don't have the puck. Um, The Blackhawks, same could be said about them, though, as neither team here really has a strong defense. Looking at the Blackhawks' blue line now, Brent Seabrook will be out for the remainder of the season after undergoing double hip surgery a few months ago. But some good news for the Blackhawks on D is that shutdown man... Calvin DeHaan is expected to return for the opening series, which would be a huge boost to the decor because looking around at the rest of the group, not exactly the strongest bunch. Expect Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist to be the top pairing, but Keith is well out of his prime and not the number one defenseman that he used to be in 2010, 2013, and 2015, which is understandable. And Adam Boquist is just a kid with half an NHL season under his belt. So for him to be on the top pairing for a a playoff team in a physical, you know, postseason battle, it could be a little much for him at that point. So I think the right idea for the Blackhawks would be to put together the strong shutdown pairing of Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan uh, and have those guys kind of eat up a bunch of the tougher minutes against McDavid and Dreisaitl because... Uh, any other two defensemen against that combo could really struggle. Rounding out the Blackhawks' blue line, kind of the spots are up for grabs as we've seen a bunch of guys get action down the stretch, but it's likely that Olimata and Slater Cuckoo round out the roster. Not a terrific third pairing, but it could be worse, as if you look at hockey reference, those two guys were actually... Uh, one of the more underrated pairings for the Blackhawks this season. So I think that would be my sixth defenseman to roll with. But uh, as I just stated about the goaltending situation, a lot could change 
uh, before we actually see the series being played in uh, supposedly late July or early August. One last point I want to make about this matchup before we wrap up today's episode is that it very well could come down to the special teams game as well. Edmonton has been terrific on both ends of the special teams department this year as they had the number one ranked power play by a significant margin. They converted on 29.5% of their power plays. Compare that to the Blackhawks who convert on just 12.8% of their power plays. That is a crazy gap between those two teams. And there is a crazy gap between the Oilers at number one in the NHL and the Boston Bruins at number two. As I just stated, the Oilers uh, convert on 29.5% of their power plays. The second best Boston Bruins convert on 25.2% of their power plays. So the Oilers are four percentage points and then some better than the next best power play. So they were that dominant with the man advantage. So... If the Hawks get trigger-happy, which we have seen at points in the season, this series could be over in a hurry. It also doesn't help that the Oilers have the second-best penalty kill in the NHL at 84.4%. If you watch the Hawks at all this season and you happen to have two working eyeballs, you know that the Hawks' power play has been a disaster all year. So I don't expect them to come out after a two-month hiatus and be rolling on all cylinders against a strong Oilers PK. I think the real difference maker in the series will depend on whether or not the Hawks' penalty kill will be able to hold up against that ludicrous power play. The Hawks' PK got much better as the year went on, and they actually finished 8th in the NHL at 82.1%. A lot of that can be attested to David Camp's increased face-off penalty kill uh, percentage, or his face-off, yeah, his increased face-off percentage on the penalty kill, he had a really strong two months there where he was one of the better face-off men in the NHL, and also some tremendous and timely goaltending certainly played a factor into the penalty kill success as well. The return of Calvin DeHaan should only help the Hawks' PK, and if they're able to handle or just slow down McDavid, Dreisaitl, and crew just a little bit, then I think there is a legitimate upset, a legitimate shot at an upset, in the best of five playing series between these two teams. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Tuesday, June 2nd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and make sure to give Locked On Blackhawks Twitter page a follow. You can do so at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks. Coming up later this week on the show, I will be discussing the Blackhawks future in net as two-time Stanley Cup champion Corey Crawford's contract is set to expire at the end of the year. So make sure to tune in to the episodes later on in the week for that and more. An easy way to do so is by subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it's out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Madhouse podcast to continue to show support for Jay Zawoski and all the tremendous work he does on the Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the episode. My first episode as host of Lockdown Blackhawks. I am Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Hockey. and I'll see you next time. Thank you again for tuning in.